The reading today, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you will come, out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Emma, thank you very much for reading. Do please keep your Bibles open at that page as we look at that passage uh, together now. But before we do that, let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. Thank you for your word here in the Bible. Please be with us now by your spirit as we look at it together. Lord, show us what we need to see. Bring about the change in our hearts and cause us to go away from here delighting more in you and desiring to worship you with all that we have and are. Amen. Amen. Well, I got to that stage in life where I qualify for a midlife health check and I was looking online at what that involved. Uh, um, and it seems that the purpose of a midlife health check is to work out how healthy you are and to help you to take those steps to improve your health. And that got me thinking, got me thinking about what sort of questions would you put into a spiritual health check? At the end of the year, it's good for us to take a step back, isn't it? And, and to think about health, how healthy we are spiritually. And as we go into a new year, again, it's good to think about what resolutions we might make. Uh, which would lead to improvement in our spiritual health. Well, as I looked at the passage which Emma's just read to us, two big questions leapt out, which I thought could go into a spiritual health check. I think I ought to say at this stage, there are lots of questions which would go into a spiritual health check. This is not exhaustive. We're going to look at just two. So the first question is, 
Are you seeking Jesus? Are you seeking Jesus? That's what the Magi were doing in our passage. Have a look again at those first two verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we're told that they are magi. We've just sung about kings. We're not told that they were kings. We're told they're magi. And we're told that they're from the east, which is modern-day Iran. Um, Who or what were magi? Well, magi were learned men. They were priests. They they specialized in astrology, in, in interpreting dreams, and in magical arts. Now, to us, that might sound a bit wacky. But for them, that was, that was mainstream. These, were, these guys were the, the thinkers. They, they were the ones who studied the literature. They were the academics. They were the intellectuals. Um, they were the elite. They, they're sort of in, in terms of status, they are probably equivalent to scientists in our society. They go to people for big questions. And God reveals to them supernaturally that a king has been born who is so important that they need to find him and they need to worship him. So God gives them understanding that they need to follow this, this star. And they need to, and, and he also, um, and they say so they set about seeking King Jesus. And so the first thing we see that they, about their seeking is that it involves them prioritizing. In other words, making seeking Jesus more important than other things. Now, it may well have been that the Magi came from Babylon. We don't know exactly where they came from, but if they came from Babylon, Babylon was about 900 miles from Jerusalem. Now, if uh, uh, the average person can walk 20 miles a day, a quick calculation reveals that it would take them 45 days to walk that distance. If they traveled by camel, as our Christmas cards tell us, Well, a quick Google reliably informs me that a camel would average about 30 miles a day. And again, a quick calculation would mean that they were, they had traveled for 30 days. Either way, this is no small undertaking. It involves a lot of cost and a lot of commitment. Seeking Jesus was their number one priority. There was a student in English literature. Uh, when I was at university, who loved reading novels. And when she became a Christian, she stopped reading her novels. And she started reading books about Jesus because she wanted to learn more about him. And she felt that she didn't have time to read stories anymore. Now, please don't take that as an indication that we shouldn't be reading novels. I read novels, and, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But it's interesting to see how she felt that she needed to prioritize seeking Jesus. What about us? Perhaps if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a a Christian, have you ever thought about making seeking Jesus a priority? If you want to think more about how how you can do that, a course um, we offer starting in January is Christianity Explored, and that is a wonderful way to look into the basics of the Christian faith. It starts on the 15th of January, and there are little um, cards at the back which give you more information about it. That would be a great way of making seeking Jesus a priority. But if we're Christians, what stops us from 
prioritizing seeking Jesus? What stops us from prioritizing church every Sunday to seek Jesus together with other members of the body of Christ? What stops us finding time during the week to to pray and to read God's word in the Bible? What stops us from, from reading Christian books? How are we going to make seeking Jesus a priority in 2024? Is there a New Year's resolution you need to make? Well, the second thing we see about um, the, the Magi seeking Jesus is that it involves them asking questions. They inquire. Have a look again at those first two verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You see, the Magi wanted answers, so they asked questions. These were people with inquiring minds. And the Magi didn't know where to look for answers, but God led them to people who knew that the answers lay in the Scriptures, in in God's Word, in the Bible. Seeking involves asking questions and looking for answers in the Bible. At St. Mary's, we have... Um, a wonderful time away for our 10 and 11-year-olds, Explorer's Adventure, it's called. And it was a joy this year to hear Nick, our children's worker, come back and tell us about a child who just couldn't stop asking questions, not because he was trying to catch the leaders out, but because he was hungry to understand more. He was seeking The questions the Magi asked were to enable them to worship Jesus. And if we're Christians, the questions we ask should be to enable us to worship Jesus more. So what questions are you asking? When we speak of asking questions, it's easy to think of the really tough ones, the ones which I think most, if not all of us, grapple with. What happens to people who've never heard of Jesus? How does God allow suffering? And those are really important questions to be asking. But we need to be careful we don't let them become our, our, our focus and take us, taking us away from asking other questions. Our focus should perhaps be on asking questions to help us worship Jesus more. Those questions will be about who God is, what he's like, how he's acted in history, and what he's done, and what he has promised us. And as we ask these questions, will we come to delight more in who God is, more in what he has done and and what he promises us? And as that happens, well, then we'll find it much easier to trust God with the tough questions to which there are no easy answers. So seeking involves asking questions. It involves us inquiring It involves us looking for answers in God's word. Are you asking questions which will help you worship Jesus more? Are you looking for answers in the Bible? And again, is there a New Year's resolution you need to make? So our first question on our spiritual health check questionnaire is, are we seeking Jesus The Magi sought Jesus because they wanted to worship him, and they found him. 
And when they found him, they worshipped him. And that brings me to my second spiritual health check question. How is your worship of Jesus? In previous centuries, Christians were taught great truths about the Christian faith by using catechisms. And catechisms are, are simply a series of questions and answers about Christianity. And the first question of one of the great and perhaps the most famous catechisms of the 17th century says, and I'm going to paraphrase this, what is the main purpose of human existence? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our purpose as human beings is to worship God. And our passage today gives us good reason for doing that. You see, the Magi get to Jerusalem, they ask their question, and it, and it causes turmoil. King Herod clearly feels threatened, and he summons the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asks them where this Messiah is to be born. And they answer in Bethlehem in Judea, and they explain that, it, that, that that is what the prophet Micah had said would happen. Let's have a look at that, what, what, the, the verse that Matthew quotes there at verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. We see in this prophecy that Jesus is God's long-promised ruler in the line of King David, who will, be, who will shepherd God's people. Notice that reference in the last line, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Jesus will be the shepherd of God's people. Now, Israel's kings had meant to be their, their shepherd. Israel's kings had meant to be shepherds of God's people. But King Herod had done nothing of the sort. He, he was, in fact, an absolute brute. He had no problem, no difficulty in killing people. And indeed, he killed one of his own children and, one of his, and his wife. Well, Jesus, by contrast, is God's long-promised shepherd who came to care for his sheep. He is worthy of our worship. And in chapter 10 of John's Gospel, we read of Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he goes on to say, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The God of the universe was born as the God-man Jesus. And Jesus is our shepherd king who was prepared to die for you and me to save us from our sins. He is worthy of our worship. So how is your worship of Jesus? Well, if Herod had been filling in our spiritual health check questionnaire, I think he'd have provided quite a good answer to the question, how is your worship of Jesus? Look, look, what, we, look, look what he says in, in our passage. Herod, and this is verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Here is a, a king, no less than a king, who wants the Magi to go off to find Jesus so that he can follow on and worship him too. So he says... If Herod was scoring one to ten on, on that um, 
spiritual health check questionnaire where one is worship is going very badly and ten is worship is going very well. Well, I would be saying it, it's going very well. I'm going to go and worship Jesus. And yet, and yet, those of us who know how things unfold knows that Herod is lying. And indeed, there's a, it's apparent that that's the way it's going in verse 12 of our passage because um, God warns the Magi in a dream not to go back to Herod. And so they return to their country by another route. And the reason becomes more apparent later on in verse 16 where we see that Herod gives orders to um, his soldiers to kill all the boys in Bethlehem who are two years old and under. It's interesting, isn't it? Herod seems to know that Jesus is worthy of worship. He seems to know that because, because he says he'll go off and worship Jesus. Outwardly, he's prepared to say that. But Herod's heart is, is far from worshipping Jesus. Worship involves our, our deepest desires, doesn't it? And Herod's deepest desires are revealed. His deepest desires were for his own power, his own control, his own status. And those desires were so strong that he was prepared to lie and to kill for them. And if Jesus got in the way, well, he would just be one more casualty. Where are you on the the 1 to 10 scale? How's your worship going? Is it going very badly or is it going very well? Do you have such deep desires for other things that Jesus, that your worship of him is, well, at best half-hearted? Is it something you can easily dispense with if it becomes too costly? Well, the Magi contrast starkly with Herod, don't they? Let's have a look at at what they do in verses 9 to 11. After they had heard the king... They went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Notice their joy. They follow that star on from Jerusalem. They get to Bethlehem, and then the star stops. And and we're told, let's just just read that again. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. They realized they've got to the place they wanted to get to. They realized they've got to Jesus, and they're overjoyed. That's such a contrast to Herod, isn't he? He's such a miserable character. And these, these people are filled with joy as they get to Jesus. And they literally fall down and worship him. That's what the, the, the Greek says. They, they, they come to him, they fall down and worship him. And don't lose sight of the significance of this. I think it's easy for us as we read this. We're so familiar with it. We know the story well. They fall down and worship him. They offer him these gifts. They are offering Jesus the worship that, and devotion which had hitherto only been due to the God of Israel. So if you were a Jewish reader reading this, you see Jesus offering worship, sorry, the Magi offering worship to Jesus in the same way that hitherto people had worshipped the almighty God of Israel. And, of course, the Magi honour Jesus with gifts fit for a king, gold, incense, and myrrh. Well, now, Jesus isn't physically with us in the way that he was with the Magi. So what should our worship 
of him look like? Well, three things. First of all, worship involves homage or grateful submission to God. There is a, a sort of posture which, in, which, um, which comes with it, which is that posture of, of bowing down. And that will involve trusting Jesus as saviour and accepting him as Lord. And that will involve praying and singing God's praises and confessing our sins together. Worship involves homage or grateful submission to God, that posture of bowing down. Secondly, worship is holding Jesus with appropriate reverence and respect. I think that attitude of reverence and respect and the reason for it is really very well conveyed by a conversation which comes from the line of the witch in the wardrobe you may well know it it involves susan and lucy and mr and mrs beaver uh, and uh, and uh, the conversation is about aslan who is a picture of jesus and susan asks the beavers uh, of aslan is he quite safe I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mrs. Beaver replies, it replies, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Lucy then asks, then he isn't safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who ever said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And that gives us some idea of how we approach this awesome God. He is good, and we can be confident in that. But he is our awesome God. Worship is about holding Jesus with appropriate reverence and respect. But thirdly, worship is about serving God. Worship is, is living a life of, of obedience as a response to the gospel. Worship is all three of these things. And all these three aspects of worship find their expression, should find their expression in every part of our lives. But they find particular expression in the gathering of God's people to worship together as the body of Christ. So how is your worship of Jesus? Have you been neglecting worshipping together with God's people here at church? Is there some part of your life which you're refusing to give over to worship our Lord Jesus Christ? Is that an area where you need to make a New Year's resolution for 2024? Well, as we conclude, a survey of the most popular New Year's resolutions in the UK in 2023 revealed the following. 53% of the respondents were planning on exercising more or improving their fitness. 43% were planning on losing weight and improving their diet. That's an that's a overwhelming proportion, isn't it? Either uh, exercising more, improving fitness, or losing weight. And both of those would help you score well in a midlife health check, and they might improve your health. But what would a survey of all of us here what would a survey of all of us and our New Year's resolutions conclude? What would the survey pick up? Would they find us resolving to seek Jesus more in 2024, reprioritizing 
having, asking those questions, inquiring of God's word, God's word so that we learn more about him, so that we are better able to worship him? Would they find us resolving in 2024 to, to worship Jesus, both at, at church on a Sunday and in every part of our lives? Well, let's take a moment to think what resolution we need to make, and then I'll pray. Lord, we thank you for the account of the Magi in Matthew's Gospel. Thank you for the way they sought you and for their joy when the star took them to you and for their worship of you. Help us to make seeking you a priority day by day, to come to your word with inquiring minds and to be devoted to worshipping you in every part of our lives as well as with your people. Lord, we ask this for your name's sake. Amen.